Hello and welcome back to Dramini Audio Fix. My name is Amber and today I will be reading Chapter 8 of All You Want by Sen Lin Yu. This chapter does contain attempted sexual assault. If this is a topic that you are sensitive to, please proceed with caution in listening to this part of the story. Chapter 8 So Let Me Go, Let Me Go Generally speaking, being an Omega was not as awful as Hermione had initially anticipated. The suppressants were admittedly unpleasant, but aside from dopey looks and a few overattentive boys, life resumed rather well. Hermione sent letters to Ron and Harry and wasn't surprised when she didn't immediately hear back. She didn't even know if Harry knew what Omegas were. While for Ron, well, it was a rather unceremonious end to their relationship that might have been. Toward the end of Hermione's first week on suppressants, Phineas Borgen tried to use an alpha tone and drag her into an alcove after potions. Hermione hexed him nastily and stunned him. In addition to six months of detention from McGonagall, the word lecher was written across Phineas's face in weeping boils that could not be healed. Hermione suspected that Madame Pomfrey had not tried as hard as she could have. Hermione had learned after Marietta Edgecombe that the forehead was too easily concealed behind bangs, so Phineas's boils spanned his cheeks and nose instead. After a week, the alphas still squabbled. Constantly. It was as though they couldn't help it. Even Neville, who was not generally petty or overly confrontational, occasionally got dragged into a fight. He pummeled Phineas in a hallway the day after Phineas tried to grab Hermione, and he and Anthony Goldstein ended up in a duel during a study period that left Anthony sporting an enormous pair of moose antlers for four days. All of them fought. Within three days of attacking Hermione, Phineas Borgen was thoroughly thrashed down to the bottommost rung of the Alpha hierarchy. He slunk through the school like a beaten mongrel. Neville fought least, followed closely by Theodore Knott, which was an intriguing development given that he was also one of the few Alphas who had yet to actually approach Hermione. In fact, Theodore Knott was, generally speaking, something of a dark horse in the equation. Hermione couldn't quite pin him down. He was an excellent duelist, sneaky and creative, but in a non-malicious way. A practice duel during DADA between himself and Neville ended up sending both boys to the hospital ward for an evening because neither boy would call it a draw. But Knott didn't actually approach her. He sort of existed in orbit around her. When they made eye contact, he'd smile and give her a salute. He waved occasionally, but he never tried to get close or loitered around the Gryffindor Tower portrait or outside her classes the way the other boys did. She wondered if it was some type of reverse psychology that he was attempting to employ with her. Anthony and Peter were somewhere in the upper middle of the Alpha hierarchy. After two weeks, the physical confrontations began to ease as order was established, but the bickering and snarking and snarling at each other continued. They couldn't stop no matter how many points they lost for it. Except Malfoy. Draco Malfoy somehow carried on through it all as though he didn't give a damn. He didn't squabble, he didn't bicker, he never snarled. He most certainly didn't get into any duels or fistfights. In fact, the other alphas were apparently incapable of luring him into any kind of confrontation, despite their endless efforts to provoke him. 
Malfoy just sneered and condescendingly ignored them all. At first, Hermione thought it was because of his occlumency, that somehow he was able to filter it all out. Then it occurred to her, Malfoy was at the top of the pecking order. He had shagged her. All the other alphas were queuing behind him. He had, quote, claimed her. She reeked of him. He was the only alpha in Hogwarts with nothing to prove. So he could swan about and ignore them all. And her. It made Hermione seethe. It was downright insulting. How dare he ignore her like that? Not that she wanted his attention. Except she did. She found herself constantly looking at him and feeling hurt that he wasn't even willing to acknowledge her most of the time. It turned out that their arithmancy project required that they work together more than Hermione had expected. They met in the library, and he was distracted and tense and angry and absolutely desperate to leave the entire time. As soon as they were done, he stalked away and left Hermione nearly incoherent in the cloud of his pheromones. Hermione scrubbed her scent glands in the shower, morning and night, trying to get his scent out of her skin. She had discovered that having him scented on her meant that, despite the suppressants, he still had an effect on her. None of the other alphas could compare. Neville was distracting. Hermione wasn't sure if it was because she was closest friends with him or if their chemistry was exceptional. Whenever she was around him for more than ten minutes, she noticed the room around them began to fade, and she had a tendency toward edging closer and closer to him. It didn't help that Neville tended to start edging toward her, too. Poor Hannah. Hermione would occasionally notice the betrayed expression on the Hufflepuff girl's face when Hermione would walk into the room and Neville would immediately turn toward Hermione and stare at her, slack-jawed with longing. Neville would always catch himself and then turn apologetically back to his girlfriend. Peter and Anthony were both sort of middling to Hermione. She would occasionally catch herself eyeing their necks or growing mesmerized by their voices, but she was also quite capable of having normal conversations with them without once getting distracted by the thought of shagging them. The other alphas that Hermione would occasionally interact with tended to vary, but Malfoy was in a category all his own. Because his scent hung about her like a constant cloud, she tended to think about him endlessly. More specifically, she thought about all the sex she'd had with him, the feeling of his body on top of hers, his tongue dragging itself across her scent glands, and the sensation of his knot, swelling inside her, joining them together as he'd started to come, her wrists pinned under his hands as he kissed her and sucked on her neck and muttered things to her. As soon as she was actually in proximity to Malfoy, she tended to become nearly incoherent with arousal. According to the books, Omegas were basically nymphomaniacs. They normally became soul-bonded during their first heat, and continued to have loads of sex afterward. According to Hermione's book Soulbound, daily sex was considered the bare minimum for the first six months. Hermione was not having daily sex. She was not having any sex. She was not soul-bound. She had no alpha tending to her. In fact, the one she felt most drawn to made a point of assiduously ignoring her, as though to drive home the point that he had never wanted her in the first place. She was just horny. And thinking about Malfoy constantly, and trying not to give in to the temptation to climb him like a tree every time she laid eyes on him. So, generally speaking, being an Omega was not as awful as Hermione had initially anticipated. She was neither accosted nor pursued in the manner she had initially feared. 
but she was increasingly miserable and sexually frustrated. After two weeks, she was beginning to wonder if she should just give in and ask Professor Vector not to pair them. Toward the end of the third week, his scent finally started to fade. Hermione was profoundly relieved, but it had the unfortunate downside that several more of the Alphas started approaching her and then noisily bickering with each other. Hermione started spending most of her time studying in the Gryffindor common room and only visited the library during off hours. On a Friday night, she snuck out to the library a half hour before it closed to try to find an additional reference for her ancient runes translation. The library was delightfully empty of alphas, and Hermione allowed herself a chance to relish the solitude and browse the aisles. She found a large book on curse-breaking shelved in the wrong section. She pulled it down, tucked herself in an abandoned corner of the library, and became completely immersed in it. When Hermione finally looked up from her book, she realized with horror that she had not only stayed past the library closing, but that it was curfew. She cursed quietly and put the book back before hurrying out of the library. She was halfway back to Gryffindor Tower when Mrs. Norris appeared in front of her. Hermione bit back a curse and turned and fled down a nearby hallway. The last thing she wanted was to be dragged through the castle by Filch. She had only just caught up on all her classes. She didn't have time for detentions. The angry cat trotted after Hermione, yowling angrily. Hermione sped up. "'Mrs. Norris, my sweet, have you found someone?' Hermione heard Filch calling from around the corner. Hermione bolted around another corner and down several flights of stairs, and then wound her way through a series of hallways until it finally seemed that she had escaped the unpleasant cat. She leaned against the wall and chuckled quietly to herself. Running around and hiding in Hogwarts made her think of Harry and Ron. After a week of silence, she had received letters from both of them, each containing suspiciously similar paragraphs about how they were there for her and would fully support her in whatever choices she made. Hermione felt fairly certain the paragraph had been dictated by Molly. They were going to come visit on Hogsmeade weekend, and Hermione expected there would be some honest conversations then. She hoped that if Ron was feeling inclined toward any explosiveness, it would have simmered off by then. She straightened up and looked around to see where she had ended up. She had gone all the way back down to the first floor and ended up in the far side of the castle. She scolded herself for not bothering to bring the Marauder's map with her. She was on the third floor when she came around the corner and ran into nearly headless Nick. "'Why, hello, Miss Granger,' Nick said in noisy delight. Hermione blanched and held up a finger to her lips, shushing him. "'What's wrong?' he asked in a stage whisper. Hermione blushed. "'It's curfew. I'm not supposed to be out.' she admitted, hurrying down the hallway. "'What? You're not a prefect? For some reason, I thought you were a prefect,' Nick said, following as his voice became cringingly loud once again. "'No,' Hermione said quietly, waving her hands to urge him to speak more quietly. "'I'm not. Please lower your voice. I don't want Filch to find me.' Nick chuckled and his voice bounced off the wall. "'Quite understandable. Filch is quite unpleasant.' Never has time to exchange a few words with a fellow such as myself. As he was speaking, they rounded a corner and found Anthony Goldstein and Pansy Parkinson on prefect patrol. Hermione sighed in resignation. It was clearly not her night. Well, Hermione, I never had you down as a rule breaker, Anthony said with an expression of glee. Since Hermione had been studying in the Gryffindor common room, she hadn't seen Anthony much. Pansy snorted. Are we looking at the same person? The female third of the trio that got away with murder? Hermione rolled her eyes. 
Well, I always attributed it to Harry and Ron's bad influence, Anthony said. Hermione gave him a look. I'm going to have to report you, Granger, Pansy said, looking smugly down her nose at Hermione. Hermione nodded. All right, well, I'll be on my way then, she said. I'll walk you, Anthony immediately volunteered. That way you won't have to double up your point loss if you run into a professor or filch on the way back. It's fine, Hermione said. I don't want you to leave Parkinson to do rounds alone. We actually just finished, Anthony said immediately, and Pansy said she'd write up the rounds report tonight. Besides, I don't like the idea of you walking alone in the halls after that stunt Borgen pulled. I'm sure I'll be fine, Hermione said with a polite smile. Come on, Hermione, Anthony wheedled. I've been trying to find you the last couple of days. I've got something I want to talk to you about. Now Hermione most definitely did not want to walk with Anthony. She had decided that Anthony was not going to qualify as an alpha option for her. For all his occasional charm, there was something distinctly insincere about him. She never felt quite comfortable with him, possibly because he reminded her too much of Cormac McLagan. Maybe over the weekend, she said. Aw, come on. Let me walk you to Gryffindor Tower. We're old DA buddies. You're good with it, aren't you, Parkinson? The air seemed to vibrate slightly. Anthony smelled nicer than Hermione had remembered. Hermione and Pansy both blinked. Yeah, it's fine, Pansy said and started walking away. I guess it's all right, Hermione said slowly. Great, Anthony said with a grin, stepping beside her. Hermione glanced around and found that nearly headless Nick had apparently seen fit to disappear without a word. They walked about twenty feet before Anthony started talking. So, he started, you probably know why I want to talk to you. Hermione gave a faint nod and focused on walking at a quick pace without appearing too hurried. Right, so now that you aren't smelling like Malfoy pissed on you anymore, I wanted to be the first person to ask whether you'd be interested in going out. I mean, obviously this whole Alpha Omega thing affects things, but I've always thought you were pretty brilliant and honestly kind of scary, but in a good way. And we're old friends. Hermione cleared her throat and tried to figure out a way of letting him down gently. Being asked out was not something she had very much experience with. That's very nice of you, Anthony, she stammered, feeling her cheeks flush faintly. But honestly, I'm not really sure I'm ready to get into a relationship yet. This is all pretty new for me. I want to have more time to find my bearings and evaluate my options before I make any decisions or commitments. Anthony's friendly expression faded slightly. Do you really think you can do that? He asked. Hermione looked over at him in confusion. What do you mean? Be single. Do you really think someone like you can actually be single? Hermione stopped short and raised an eyebrow. Someone like me? An Omega. Honestly, I think you're deluding yourself if you think you can stay single as an Omega. Well, I seem to be managing so far, Hermione said in an acerbic tone, feeling tension radiate across her shoulders. It may not be ideal, but I'm not going to jump into something. I'd rather stay single for as long as it's manageable. Anthony gave an irritated snort. But you haven't been single. You've been smelling like Malfoy this whole time. Now that you don't, you might as well be bending over and pulling your knickers off in front of us. You basically just scream sex like it's an open invitation. You need an alpha scent in you. Hermione stared at Anthony. That's what it's like to be around me, she said, feeling abruptly on edge as she stood alone in the hallway with him. Instinctively, yeah. I mean, sex is what Omegas are for. 
Hermione's eyes narrowed in outrage and her hand inched toward her wand. I am more than my biology, she snapped. And even if I wasn't, weren't you the one with the pretty words about witches making their own choices about their sex lives? Are Omegas somehow excluded from that? Her tone was positively corrosive. Calm down, Hermione, he said, rolling his eyes. Don't try blaming me for this. It's just how it is. You're taking it personally. Hermione was suddenly tempted to punch him in the face. How dare he tell her to calm down? She was calm. And not take it personally? She was one of the only Omegas in England. How else was she supposed to take it? I've barely smelled like Malfoy for the last several days, and Neville has managed to restrain himself, she said in an icy tone. I'm on the suppressants, and I'm limiting how often I'm in common areas. I'm not doing anything unreasonable other than trying to finish my education like everyone else. I'm sorry if it disappoints you, Anthony, but I'm not going to get into a relationship with you just because of the way I smell. Now, please excuse me, I'm out past curfew. She stalked angrily away. She didn't want to be anywhere near Anthony Bloody Goldstein. She heard him sigh with exasperation. Wait, Hermione, Anthony called after her. No, she spat over her shoulder as she kept going. I said, wait. It vibrated straight through her and nearly stopped her in her tracks. Her footsteps stalled for a moment before she realized herself and sped up, fury blooming through her like a fire. How dare he try to use an alpha tone on her? Wait, Anthony snarled. It was like his voice had reached out and seized hold of something in her. She felt a hand close over her wrist and jerk her back, his thumb grazing her scent gland. The sensation and command jolted through her like an electric shock. She felt herself starting to go slack. No. Her hand reached hazily for her wand, but before she could raise it, he knocked it away and she was shoved against a wall. Her head cracked sharply against the stones and it made her see stars. She heard a portrait shouting. She blinked several times, trying to clear her vision. She was staring up in astonishment at Anthony's indignant face. Anthony, stop, she said in a shaking voice, blinking through the pain in her head and trying to force her mind through the haze his voice had caused. She tugged at his hands, trying to pull her wrists free. Let me go. I told you to wait. You should have listened to me, he growled. The alpha tone in his voice was heavy, and it closed around Hermione's mind. Danger. Danger. Another part of her was starting to chant, Alpha, Alpha, Alpha. She twitched, trying to make herself move, but her body remained obediently in place. Stay here, Anthony said, using an even more forceful tone. His thumbs were sliding over her wrists and caressing the scent glands. The sensations shivered through her body and coiled in her spine and she whimpered slightly. There was a duality battling in her mind. Stay. Wait. Your Alpha wants you to stay. The desire to obey swallowed her like a fog. But at the same time, another part of her was struggling. He was making her stay. He hadn't asked. He wasn't giving her a choice. She didn't want to stay. He hurt her. He wasn't safe. He wasn't taking care of her. He was just... taking. She sobbed and cowered back slightly as Anthony stepped closer. Don't worry. I'm not going to hurt you, he said gently. His voice was low and cajoling and Hermione fought against the desire to give in to it. He pulled her wrists together and clamped one large hand around them both. I'm going to be your alpha now. You didn't want Malfoy's stench hanging around you anyway. I'm going to be a lot better for you. 
He used his free hand to tilt her head back, and Hermione started panting as he crowded closer to her, pushing her harder against the stone wall as he breathed in deeply against her throat. She choked back another sob. You smell so good now, he said. I bet you'll smell better when you're mine. D-don't, Hermione choked out as she felt him nuzzle along her neck and felt her body giving in. She tried to push him away, but he had a considerable physical advantage over her. His face grew angry and possessive. He gripped her wrists harder in his hand and used them to pull her more firmly against himself. You're mine, he said forcefully. My Omega. I'm going to bury my teeth in your neck and fuck you and then you'll never fight me again. Now do as I say and stop struggling. Hermione sobbed as she felt her mind slip away further under the influence of his voice. She was going somewhere mindless, obedient. Alpha would take care of everything. She would just wait obediently. She felt her arch her head back and expose her neck. Good girl. She felt his teeth grazing skin. She shuddered as she felt her nipples harden and heat pool in her lower abdomen. He was going to bond her, bite her right there in the hallway, fill her. He hadn't even asked. She didn't want. Please don't, she begged, trying to slide down the wall away from his teeth. Stay still, he commanded, and the weight of his voice bore down into her as he dragged his tongue along her scent gland. Hermione was floating. Her mind was smothered. Alpha... Alpha, Alpha. Large hands were gripping her. She could feel hot breath on her skin. Her body was slowly growing warmer and warmer. Heat was radiating from her, and there was a throbbing sensation between her legs as the hot, wet sensation of a tongue kept laving against her neck. She arched and felt a hard body grinding into her, pinning her to the wall. I'm going to bite you. Then I'm going to fuck you. It's been killing me waiting. I've heard about what it's like to not... I've been imagining bending you over since you walked into the great hall. The words were muttered against her skin. No. The plea was torn out of somewhere deep inside Hermione beyond the haze. Don't fight me, Omega, he said angrily as she felt something shrivel inside of her. She was dimly aware that she was arching obediently and exposing her neck further as he started sucking her glands hard. His body pressed against hers, grinding his pelvis into her stomach. Suddenly... The body was gone. There was a crashing sound that Hermione was too dazed to follow. Goldstein, I am going to tear you limb from limb. The entire area around Hermione vibrated by the snarl of fury that abruptly filled the air. She felt herself sliding down the wall. Her body felt on edge and frustrated, but she felt like somewhere else inside she was crying. She felt hands on her face tilting her head up and thought she saw a flash of gray. She was so dazed she couldn't be sure. You fucking bastard, you forced her into a subspace. Right, because she smelled like you because she wanted to. What, are you going to pretend that fucking her in heat was any different than putting her under? There was a lot of crashing and sparkly lights shooting around that Hermione was only vaguely aware of. Finally, the flashes and the lights stopped, and there was just groaning. Then she felt warm hands on her face, and there was the gray again. She was pulled up and wrapped in someone's arms and being... carried? She breathed in. Oh, she knew this scent. This was a nice scent. Heavenly. Warm. Safe. She buried her face in the shoulder and slipped her tongue out to taste it. It tasted perfect. Her eyes rolled back slightly as she breathed in again. 
She slid her tongue against the skin and curled it, teasing along the shirt collar. A low gasp vibrated through her and she felt as though she were turning to honey inside. She sighed and wrapped her arms snugly around the person and hugged them tightly. She felt herself being put down. The arms around her withdrew and pushed her back slightly. Gray again. Granger. Come on. You need to come back up, she heard a voice saying. It was shaking faintly. She knew that voice, those eyes, and always that scent. Malfoy. He was cradling her face between his fingers as he stared into her eyes. His voice was low and coaxing. Hermione blinked at him. Come back up, Granger. Her mind was cocooned somewhere warm and reassuring. If she did what he said, she had a feeling she wasn't supposed to come out. Stay still. Be quiet. She sat quietly. Come on, Granger, Malfoy was saying. She felt so safe. Malfoy was strong. His body was very close to hers. He was attractive. He was panting and his scent was almost dripping off of him. She could still taste him on her tongue. His eyes were dark and possessive and enraged. His expression was worried as he stared at her. He couldn't tear his eyes away from her. He still smelled like her. Hers. She reached out and gripped his tie and tilted her head back to expose her neck. She had tried to be good and not let any of the other boys touch her. She'd even tried to be pretty for him, but he hadn't even looked at her. She was supposed to please him. He'd be pleased, wouldn't he, if she was submissive? Maybe she just hadn't been submissive enough. She parted her legs and keened faintly. End of chapter 8